Today on another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online that some believe could be the cause of spontaneous incontinence in adults over 40. That's right, simply by listening to this show, there is a very real possibility that you may lose all control over your bowel movements, including going number one and number two. You may find yourself sitting in a pile of human waste due to the shocking and horrifying nature of these stories. Don't ever say that I didn't warn you. We hear the story of a young man enjoying the sights and sounds of a late night in a forest with friends, only to come across what appears to be an officer, giving him a stern warning about where he's headed. The only question is, who was the officer, where did he come from, and where did he go? That story and much more, today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is in 855-853-4802, our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We'd absolutely love to hear them. And uh, if you like our program, maybe you've been listening to it uh, throughout uh, the month of October and uh, you want access to the uh, archives, which is the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, all of it commercial free, access to advanced episodes of the show commercial free, and a weekly EPP bonus episode. EPP stands for Extra Podcast Person. Become one. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or through the Patreon app. Just search Real Ghost Stories Online. All four words, Real Ghost Stories Online. And uh, you'll find us there. Or you can find the link there as well at ghostpodcast.com. Only five bucks a month gets you access to all that stuff right there. And you help keep the program on the air. Tony and Carol Hughes with you on today's episode. What's going on? Did you say Carol? I said Carol. Yeah. Because suddenly I am running to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm feeling a little incontinent. Well, you know, you got to listen to Rob. <clears throat> I think he knows his stuff. <laughs> you just never know. So just in case you're wondering, do I ha- really have to pee or is this incontinence? It's incontinence. There you go. There you go. It's because Robert so says it. it if can... you suddenly just wet yourself, just know everybody's doing it. I sat uh, in my office this afternoon and I, I had to you know, think those up. So I was sitting there and I'm like, what should Robert say now? And um, I don't know how half of these things come to me. I just start kind of grasping <laughs> at things. And it's usually like I just kind of like start scrolling the Internet and then I'll like see something, a product or something. And OK, let's go with that. Let's just riff on what this could be. And then you just kind of think the weirdest, craziest thing that you can somehow tie back around. And there you go. If it makes you feel any better, that's what I've been doing all day because I have been talking with Toby Keith all day. Oh, you and, and Toby. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, so last week I was talking to some guy, some scammer guy, and then he ghosted me. I mean, really, story of my life. I can't yeah. even get with a scammer guy. And um, <laughs> so... Today or yesterday, Toby Keith, and I'm using that in air quotes, contacted me. So I've been like having some fun with Toby Keith all day and telling him all kinds of shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the highlights of you? And- the highlight reel? Um, yeah. So I told Toby Keith that um, I was in 
prison. Okay. And and he he said that he's so amazed to see my profile photo. You remind me of an old friend, blah, blah, blah. I hope you're enjoying your date. How is it going? I said, really good. I'm so happy now that I'm out of prison. <laughs> Every time I hear you sing, who's your daddy? I always think you're singing to me. <laughs> and then asked me where I was in prison. I'm like, women's prison in Oklahoma. And... And so then he asked if I have kids and I said, well, I was, and he's, and I said that I was in prison for negligence of minors. And he asked me about my kids. I said, well, after CPS got involved and my time in prison, I don't get to see my kids, but that's okay. I can have more. (laughs) (laughs) Then the best one of all day was, I was like, oh my God, Kenny Chesney just messaged me. So where are the others coming to you on Instagram or where are they coming yeah, from? Yeah, on Instagram. Okay, so it's like people that are faking well, no, the... No, he said, because he's like, oh, where have you been? Are you at work? Because I had messaged him. I said, no, I've been talking to another famous country singer. <laughs> wow, really? Who is that? Are you still chatting with him now? And I said, yes, Kenny Chesney. And he said, seems Kenny Chesney's your favorite musician. <laughs> So then I told him, um, do you chat with him here on Instagram? I said, yes, I'm going to help him with some fundraising he's doing for a really sick woman. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a very entertaining day. Oh, what, what is the ultimate scam here? You oh, send he them did money? Ask me, he did ask me um, my best vacation spot. And I said, I love Arkansas in the mountains. I go there to buy meth. <laughs> The scam, the other, see, there's another one, and it's John Osborne of the uh, Brothers Osborne. Mm-hmm. And it's supposedly his manager. And the funny thing is, I actually know John Osborne. <laughs> and so it's like I've been messing with this guy all day. And that scam is, he already got to that one real fast. And it was, um, I could meet John Osborne. I was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. And um, I've never done that before. And, um, so he said I can meet John Osborne, but um, I have to sign up for, um, there was something I had to sign. And I'm like, do you have to take a drug test? Because I can't pass it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him that, um, I said, this is really weird because I was at a Brothers Osborne show and I kind of got backstage and John Osborne got all freaked out and he put a restraining order on me. And then I tried to talk to his wife and she went off. She's fucking nuts. <laughs> and then the guy's like, no, he just wants, I need a lawyer to look over the the non-disclosure agreement I have to sign to get to meet him. And I can be in his fan. I can be a fan member or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. And so then he said that would cost $200. Oh, there's the money. Okay. And I'm like, you're just trying to get me arrested. You knew about the restraining order. Now you're trying to set me up. That's what you're trying to do. Ah. You're so full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that. (laughs) I love this. We should like do a dramatic reenactment of of these at some point. You have to save them. Okay. Because yeah, just start saving. I think after I accused him of. Oh, wait, he did message me back. I said, you would have to drop the restraining order. 
you would have to show us that you won't show up without an appointment and that you would respect his privacy. He's... That's the reason for the fan card. Security could look at the card and determine if you have an appointment before letting you meet John. So you have to have an appointment. Damn. All these appointments. My God. The restraining order. It doesn't matter that I have a restraining order. God. I'm just going to double down and tell him. I, I see what you're doing. You're just, just trying to get me arrested. Yeah. <laughs> you know damn well what a restraining order is all about. This Ask is you, John Osborne. Oh, that's funny. Well, <laughs> as the drama continues uh, on uh, all of that, uh, we'll have more updates for you in the coming weeks. I'll try to get off my meth in time to do this show. <laughs> Just like right there. That that uh, I go to I go to Arkansas Mountains. I go to Arkansas Mountains. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's go to our uh, first letter. It says hi. Uh, love your show. Listen uh, to it uh, at work all the time. I discovered your show about a year ago, a year and a half ago. I've uh, turned a lot of my friends on to it also. This happened over 20 years ago when I was still a very active Civil War reenactor on the East Coast. The farmer that lets us use his land, which is part of the battlefield, asked me not to disclose it due to privacy issues. So, with all due respect, I won't. We had a 19th century style military tents set up all in rows they called them company streets all according to units states brigades companies infantry cavalry artillery and so forth just like they would if we were on a campaign including guards sentries posted to give us the feel of being there large pit areas for the company cooks the medical tents with our doctors, it was May in Florida, but still hot and muggy. It was a Saturday evening, just about sunset. I was still in my uniform due to being an officer and still had duties to perform and planning for Sunday skirmish. I had to use the portage on. I asked the guard on duty where it was, and he said around the big red barn where he was standing watch. I thanked him and went around the barn. Plenty of activities going on, did my business. Stepping out of the portage on, everything was dead quiet. The air was still. I could feel the hairs on my arms standing up as I approached the barn. I spotted another reenactor in an officer's uniform waving me to come quickly. Him and the barn were like 60 feet away. No sound, just waving me. First thing I thought was someone was hurt or was someone messing with my tent and belongings. My hobby isn't cheap. My three banded Enfield rifled musket sells for $1,300. My Colt pistol goes for $800. I ran, but he ducked around the corner. When I got there, gone. He must have made it to the front of the barn, still nothing. I asked the sentry, where did the reenactor and officer's garb go? He just looked at me weird and said, I'm the only one who's been through there to hell. All these years, I've been thinking, was that a ghost? Was it an officer that mistakenly stepped through a time portal and saw me still in uniform telling me to get back to my unit? Or was I going to get in trouble if it was? What if I did catch up with him and step through? This happened in Florida. Thank you for any thoughts you might have on my experience. What do you think? Something that 
time. So, so now go back. Like he, I don't believe in time travel shit like that. Okay. I can't wrap my head around. But he did. He say like or she? I'm assuming he. Yeah. Had stepped through a portal, maybe. Says he looked at me weird and said, "I'm the but only isn't one that who's, like who's been there to hell." Is what uh, they said that they the entity said, or, or what looked like a, a reenactor, really. I mean, obviously, if you saw something, unless you're off your medication, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that you saw was, you know, I'm, I'm just assuming it's some kind of a ghostly apparition that only you could see. I don't know. I, I don't know what the purpose. I mean, I don't uh, have any, like, I, I mean, I wish I had good insight and goes here. Just right place, right time. This I mean, is, I think sometimes when people are doing certain things or things are looking certain ways, it probably attracts. Could say this is what it was. Yeah. Although I still do not understand the draw to that, to, to be the reenactor. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just, and I, what I wonder about with things like that is, is that, is, is there a draw for certain people to that? Because there is like a past life thing going on and they somehow really connect with that and really want to, to have those experiences again. And they don't really know why, but they're, it's just something feels right about it. Because some folks really get into I that. I thought that too. I wouldn't be surprised. I think yeah, that might be Because I don't answer. understand why you do it. Mm -hmm. I kind of understand like we have a old Western town museum here, old cow town. Yeah. And people, they dress up and, and there's visitors that are there. You know, it's an old museum. And yeah. so you would dress up in your old lady outfit or your saloon girl outfit or whatever you are. And I, I kind of get that because you're a reenactor, but it's also, you know, kind of living history, which is also what they do. Mm -hmm. But this would be, you know, you're interacting with guests and you're kind of acting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So being in a battle seems kind of horrifying to me, <laughs> like interacting does, with nice people who how, are coming through from California. Like I can handle that. So do they pick a specific, I just don't, do they like pick a specific battle to reenact? Every time and then, so I then they, so, yeah. so then they know yeah. who's going to win and who's going to lose, or is there like, yeah, this and is I a mystery and battle? I kind of think now I could be really wrong, but I kind of think that you can also, you know, in certain battles, you're playing the part of this person, okay, because this person was in the battle, okay. How long till we and have the headline so of shot? How long until we have the headline of how, like that? How long till we have the horrible headline of? Uh, Civil War reenactment goes horribly wrong as actors uh, pull real oh, guns. Tony, it happened here. It happened here. What? At <laughs> yes. And there was a reenactor. Uh, I think he was. Um, let me even look it up. But somehow the gun had um, old Cowtown Museum shot. Um, so he was wounded during a reenactment. Um, they say it was accidental, but, um, they were doing some kind of 
gunfight. Yeah. And the other person had actual live rounds in their gun. Yeah. I think I remember that. Did the, anybody he die? He was pretty bad. Yeah. What's that? Did, did anybody die or did he? That was in 2020. No, but he was injured pretty bad. Wow. He was shot in the upper body. But it was not life-threatening. But yeah, so it happened here. At the same museum I had just used as an example. I know it could be like a new television show. It, it, here it would be like, are you ready? All summer, reenactors have been competing to be the next ultimate reenactor. And this summer, you'll see them in action as we put real people with real bullets. Extreme reenacting. When you go down, you go down. <laughs> yeah, and it's basically uh, you're shooting people <laughs> for sport. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone I mean, knows like, the stakes. And so to me, like, like they were, they still haven't figured out how a live round ended up in the gun. So that's also kind of what happened with um, Alec Baldwin's movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're shooting movie and a live round ended up in that gun. And that mm -hmm. was horrific. And, you know, I can't. Like, how did I like, did somebody do that to be mean or like, yeah. how does a live round end up in a gun? I don't get that I have when no you're doing reenactment or you're acting. I have no idea. They said that there was some live ammo on the set. So all one could assume is that it somehow got there by accident or somebody dropped something and then put things back the wrong way. I don't know. I mean, th there could be a very simple, innocent reason for it that someone didn't understand the yeah. the gravity of what they were doing um and it just all kind of came together in a horrible way because it seems to me like if you're the reenactor at cowtown museum and you're doing a gun battle because i and i kind of even think they were doing civil war reenactment that day yeah. but it might have just been the regular gun fights that they do every weekend and um how would you not like triple check that gun? Yeah. Because if that's the gun that you use and you put some live round into it one day, how do you for? It just seems like that's the gun that you use for that. You would never put a live round in there. Yeah. It's that person did that day. They had a, a live round in there. I don't know. Something happened. Don't either. Uh, next story, it says, my ghost story goes back as far as the mid-80s. I was about 14 years old. We lived in a medium-sized home in uh, Daharain in the eastern providence of Saudi Arabia. My late father was a very hardworking person, never stayed home. My mother traveled a lot, too. We had a Filipina named Sonia. She had been with us for years, and she was part of our family. Sonia was a very nice person, kind, calm, and very patient. She was responsible for every aspect of her lives. We could never imagine our lives without her. In the summer, school was out and Sonia used to take the two weeks vacation to visit her family in the Philippines. Dad was never home and mom never in the country. It was only me and my older sister and my kid brother. 
We used to stay up late all night watching TV, wait till it's dawn and then crash to bed. One night, dad came home early and went to be before midnight. My kid brother was sound asleep and it was me and my sister up watching TV. It was almost dawn when I had my first experience with a paranormal apparition. I needed to go to that bathroom. It was at the end of the long, dark, and creepy corridor. Halfway through the corridor had a wide doorway to the guest room. It was a double door with no doors attached to it. When walking through past the doorway, I immediately froze. The guest room was dimly lit from the outside lights. I noticed something that made my heart beat so fast. There was a figure in that room. I walked two steps backward and kept my body oriented forward, but looked to my right and make sure it was there. And it was. It was difficult to breathe. The fear was overwhelming. I can see a figure wearing a white female hijab. I could make out a female face. To my shock, it was Sonia, and she was smiling at me. I couldn't even scream. My tongue was tied. She was in a typical Saudi female white abya, but she had no feet. She was floating about a foot high across the room. I ran to my dad and woke him. He started cursing at me and telling me to go to sleep and stop watching TV. My sister heard me and dad and rushed to his bedroom. Having crossed the corridor like I did earlier, it was inevitable that she saw her too. She started screaming and ran towards us. Dad got up and got really angry. We were so scared. He walked to the guest room and to our relief, there was nothing. Dad had gotten angrier and took it out on us. We never slept that day. We dragged our mattresses and stayed at my dad's bedroom for the next few days. After that, we flew home for our summer vacation. My sister and I were over the edge, over the experience, always scared and never leaving our room at night. At the end of summer vacation, we flew back to Saudi. Dad was there at the airport to pick us up. He sure had a lot to say. We were still in the parking lot and Dad turned to me in the back seat and looked sad. He said, I quote his words, I am sorry I made fun of your fears, son. I saw her too. He said a few days after we'd left, it was dark, quiet, and calm. He was in bed and getting ready to sleep, looking around his bedroom. There she was floating a foot high at his doorway. He froze, staring at her as she smiled. It took him a few minutes to be able to get up, open the window, and jump out to the backyard and ran to his car and spent the next few nights at his brother's place. A few days later, we went to the airport to pick Sonia up. She was so excited to see, and we were even more excited to tell her about her ghostly appearance. As we were telling her, the course of events that took place, she became terrified as hell. To our shock, she revealed an experience that she had all summer long. She had a reoccurring dream. Every night, she dreamt she was walking in our house every night from room to room. Sonia stayed with us for another few years, but nothing like this ever happened again. It was an experience I'd never forget. Even my late dad used to mention her in his deathbed, despite being in his late stages of Alzheimer's disease. To this day, I always dread dawn. I can't leave bed when it's dawn. I feel my kids, or I tell my kids about it, and my sister tells her kids about it. Thanks for giving me a chance to share my story with you. Big fan of the podcast. So, this is an interesting one. What was one. that? It's, it reminds me of another story that we had a long time ago. 
about the woman who had a dream that she was in the forest behind her former her childhood home and she saw a family having a campfire and one of the kids pointed that look mom the woman in the the weeds and the kid saw her like, like he, she was the ghost and she's she's dreaming this uh a couple weeks later she uh goes and to that old house again and just decides to knock on the door and say, you know, hey, I, I just grew up. I grew up here and I'm just, you know, curious about stuff. And who comes to the door? Uh, the woman who was the mom sitting up by the campfire. And then as kids do, the other child ran into the door area as well. And it was the same kid that pointed and said, mommy, that was the ghost. The ghost lady's here. Now that's creepy too. So the same sort of thing happened. In this <clears throat> so world. what? So it's it's basically the living haunting the living. So how does that work though? Living haunting the living. Something about I think. So our, 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 do you go into sort of a different level? I think it's it's our energies that are uh, just. We're able to communicate in ways I don't think we are aware of is, I think, what it comes down to. I don't necessarily think it's you know, technically supernatural or it's something that we just don't know we're able to do. Uh, and I think sometimes you tap into those abilities without really knowing what you're playing with. Um, and it's just it's accessing something where you can you know, project yourself somewhere or. Uh, vice versa. I don't know. It, it's very weird, but it's, it makes sense to kind of just think about energies and, and all that. And it would make sense why not everyone can do that. Yeah. Because maybe those people have a different level of uh, existence. A different level of woo. No. Yes. Yeah. Woo. That's some crazy shit. Yeah. But I thought yeah. what was interesting in that story too was that. That I didn't, I didn't think that Dad would. Hey guys, say when they got back, be like, "Hey, I saw the same thing." So that was kind of that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, where he kind of came out and flat out said, "I was wrong. I saw it too." Yeah, didn't see that coming. No, no. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Let's go over to a caller. Hi. Hello, uh, my name is Matt. I have a lifetime of experiences, actually. Uh, I'll tell you one story tonight. It's not really a story. It's a description. When I was a kid, and I would say very young, probably my first memory of this would be around age three. We lived in the suburbs, and we had a slab-type porch behind the house and for whatever reason whenever it would rain outside if I were to look outside onto the porch I would see two men sitting in green chairs my dad had painted these wooden chairs green that sat at opposite corners of the porch and uh but each chair was a man that looked like he was sculpted from green clay from head to toe, including the, the hat that was worn, the face, 
skin, hands, clothing. The whole thing looked like it was sculpted from green clay. And both of them were identical. And both of them were dressed like vaudevillian style actors with the flat straw hats. Uh, their faces were long with chiseled features. Their eyes were either closed or the way that they were sculpted in clay looked like they were closed. And they both sat bolt upright. Both of them were holding or resting both hands crossed one on top of each other on a cane in the center of their knees as they sat in the chairs. They were always 100% motionless, just like a sculpture. I would only see them when it was raining out. And I know at least one occasion I tried to tell my mother about this. Uh, and she didn't seem to take it very seriously or believe me and was dismissive. I actually brought this up to my brother, or at least in the presence of my brother at a family get-together about five years ago. I'm 55 years old now, and my brother admitted to having seen, I called them the rain men, so my brother admitted that he too had seen the rain men on the back porch on at least one occasion when we were growing up. Uh, I don't know if people typically leave their numbers. Mine's uh, No, they don't. So we're taking that up. <clears throat> but oh, uh, oh, I thought I thought I thought he said I don't know if people read their numbers, and so I thought, is he going into some numerology? No, he was, he, okay. he gives his number and uh, phone yeah, number. So, nope. um, so what the heck is that all about? Like, I've never heard of because they didn't sound like they were seeing people necessarily. It sounded like army men, like green army men. <laughs> yeah, like but vaudevillian, vaudevillian kind of green, green army men. Yeah. That was very, but then his brother saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when it rained, so why in the rain? And I have so many questions. No. Well, if I have questions, imagine that poor guy. All the questions he has. Every day, you'd, you'd have <laughs> tons of questions. Every day, he wakes up and is like, "What the hell did I see?" Yeah. I don't even have a guess, like what that is. I, yeah, I have no idea. It's it very, very random, very bizarre. Maybe something to do with the history of the area. I don't know, but it's very, it, I don't know, random. And very specific. Random and very you? specific, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had some something super powerful and insightful I could say right now, but I don't have anything. I wonder how many times, you know, kids see utterly... Um, just things that make little no sense as to why they're passing through this way or they're seeing this spirit or that spirit. Some of them are vaudevillian characters. Some are just someone who looks like they were walking down the street yesterday and just all these different, you know, images of these people. And you're just kind of like, well, this is just kind of the way it is. You know, you don't really have the perspective to say, this is absurd. It's just, oh, okay. 
know? And then you get older, you're like, wait a second. I do have, I have like distinct memories of these sort of things happening. Like, what is that? It, it, it has to be some sort of person who, like, if it was a ghost, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, someone who maybe did do vaudeville and that was how they dressed up for whatever reason. Yeah. No. I don't know. Thanks for uh, sharing that story with us. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person, as we call them, EPPs. Do that at ghostpodcast.com or to the Patreon app, patreon.com slash Stories. We'll get you right there. It's only five bucks a month. Get access to all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes, the archive. It's all ad-free as well ghostpodcast.com until next time for Carol and all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening mm-hmm.